0: Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best
1: guests in all of true crime.
0: What's up, STS Nation? And welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And uh, if you're interested in manhunts, there's two going on right now. Uh, you're not going to find a better panel than this one anywhere across the land. Now, Uh, It's been a month almost to the day after a mom of five, Rachel Morin, uh, after her body was found bludgeoned to death on a Maryland hiking trail. uh, Authorities are continuing uh, to hunt for her killer. But who is he and where is he? Uh, Those questions are still unanswered. There's video of them, but no identification. And going on right now, not far from Scott Duffy's uh, home. And that's why he's carrying a firearm, he told us last time. Danilo Cavacante, uh, a Brazilian um, national, he is, uh, has escaped from prison, just convicted to life in prison for the brutal murder of his girlfriend. Uh, he stabbed her 38 times in front of her two young children, but managed to escape uh, from prison outside of Philadelphia. That manhunt is incredibly active. Uh, we're going to start there, but first, our best guests. If you've seen the show, Hunting Hitler, for Manhunter's Fugitive Task Force, you know our next guest. I saw every episode of Fugitive Task Force, uh, Manhunter's Fugitive Task Force. Uh, as the head of the largest fugitive tracking force in the world, Lenny DePaul spent over three decades pursuing the most violent criminals, terrorists, and drug runners. He was chief inspector and commander of the U.S. Marshal Fugitive Task Force, where he oversaw over 380 full-time investigators, From over 90 federal, state, and local agencies, under his watch, the task force averaged over 100 fugitive arrests per week and answered only to the United States Congress. Uh, And if you didn't think that was enough before that, Lenny spent five years in the U.S. Navy, so thank you for his service, and another five protecting high-value targets for the United States Secret Service. You will not see a more decorated resume than that uh, just about anywhere. Uh, We've got Agent Scott Duffy, now director of Wilmington University's Criminal Justice Institute. He's a retired FBI supervisory special agent for the Wilmington, Delaware office. He worked crime matters, gangs, bank robberies, and fugitive task force cases for 20 years before being promoted to supervisor. And he spent five and a half years before the FBI as a Pennsylvania police officer. And you know him well because he's on the show every Friday with Detective Phil Waters. And Alfredo Perez, a former U.S. deputy marshal out of the Houston office, recently retired, you can tell he's in that golf shirt over there. Uh, he worked in tandem with our own detective, Phil Waters, who gave me the recommendation, so you know he's got to be a good guy. Uh, Lenny DePaul, Ernest Hemingway said, There is no hunting like the hunting of man, and those who have hunted armed men long enough and liked it Never care for anything else thereafter. Um, fan of the quote, and and uh, is that true? Is there is there uh veracity to this quote?
2: Well, first of all, uh, Joel, thanks a lot for having me on, and and, and certainly a, an honor and a, and a pleasure to be with with your other guest. And uh, Alfredo, congratulations on that retirement. Um, yeah, of course, there's a lot of truth to that to that saying. Loved her, Ernest Hemingway. Uh, um, it gets in your blood. I mean, you certainly, when you're downrange hunting these violent felony fugitives, 24 uh, seven with, you know, uh, chasing somebody who doesn't want to go back to jail, uh, you better know what you're doing. So, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a three decades worth of these, uh, these crazy people that we chased around the globe still happening. As we speak, uh, I think the U S martial service and, and, uh, Hopefully Scott agrees with me. They are the premier agency in this country uh, in hunting violent felony fugitives. Um, And uh, you know, they can't do anything else. I mean, they're pretty good at it. So uh, anyways, I I don't want to ramble, but Joel, thanks again for having me on. And and, uh, yeah, I love that quote.
0: And uh, I'd love for you to ramble because we're going to fill about an hour's worth of time or as much as you guys have, but uh, hopefully you have that to give. So there's a very active manhunt going on right now. And the COE was kind enough uh, to uh, get me some video of the scene right now, uh, which I'm going to put up here. Um, and Scott Duffy, uh, you're not far from the area. Uh, this person, this wanted poster is for Danilo Souza Calvacante. He is a, a Brazilian national, and uh, the Pennsylvania State Police have taken over this investigation, Scott Duffy. Uh, he's been spotted <laughs> amazingly at least five times on camera since he escaped. I believe today is day seven of this search. Scott Duffy, um, th- like I said, they're going to hold a press conference at 3 p.m. today. Um, number one, how, th- how did this guy get away from a prison in Chester County where you live? And how is he still going? Um, almost a week later, uh, he was spotted with a he left, I believe, in his prison jumpsuit, but he's spotted with a duffel bag, a backpack. Uh, and uh, a sweatshirt that somehow he got
1: yeah, well, thank you as well for the invite and you You have me with some of the greatest uh, fugitive hunters there are so um, and I was happy to work with our local fugitive task force uh, within the Marshall Service in Wilmington, as we often worked uh, parallel cases but so this this is very much very similar, the same terrain. Um similar backdrop to a 1999 fugitive um, investigation I was involved in with the the infamous Norman Johnston from the Johnston gang out of uh, Chester County. And so he escaped from a central Pennsylvania prison, made his way back to his home turf in Chester County. And for, for just under three weeks, everybody from every federal agency, from state police, on both sides of the border were involved, and so this is, along with gardens, is right there, businesses, um, events, uh, uh, large farmland, and rural. So, Chester County, much like the other counties, Montgomery County, Delaware County, they have these holding cells. They're 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 great um, interim holding facilities. They're they're designed for for uh, whether it be a DOI hold if there's going to be a uh, low level theft to as high as um, uh murder of all different levels. And, and they're being held there during trial in that particular County, in this case, uh, Danello. And so he, like another uh, couple of inmates back in May, escaped the exact same way. We believe where, you know, there's a weak spot. And if there's a, a weak link, so to speak, in the security, um, trust me, every inmate's gonna know about it, especially if somebody was successful and that wasn't fixed. So he he managed to escape and uh, pretty much as a walk away. So the um, the terrain is tough. And as so as the panel knows that you can be out there, you're looking for daylight and you could cross right past somebody because typically we worked in two or three man teams. <clears throat> And uh, you have hundreds of, of uh, law enforcement out there, but you're breaking down into teams, and you could be you could have teams responding to a noise complaint, and so whether you know you got to treat it like that fugitive is hiding out, you could just be doing door to door searches, and so this is why this guy's free. It's it's not it's not anything for what law enforcement is not doing. I can guarantee you that it is the absolute. Um, ruralness of the of of the area and and this guy being able to do what he needs to do and that's remain free at all costs and that's breaking into homes sheds garages whatever to survive between food water clothing that he's uh, obviously taking and uh making his way but the good thing is he's contained he is in that perimeter the perimeter is shifting a little bit but um it is tightening and no doubt he, he will be caught
0: and it is, uh, as Scott said, it's a very, uh, pop very rural area with large homes, by the way, Mission, South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa, midweek dose of Mr. Scott Duffy, followed by Lenny DePaul is a legend, even down in Cape Town, South Africa. So uh, STS Nation well informed and uh, all the Scott Scott Duffy comments. We have the all powerful and the soulful great Scott Duffy with the soul patch um, to you, Alfredo. Um, There's kind of an eerie story. It hasn't been 100% corroborated, but there is a a neighbor in the Westchester uh, area where this fugitive is hiding out right now. And he said that uh, he heard a noise and he told his wife, there's someone in the house. And uh, instead of approaching whoever it was, he started flickering the light switch. And uh, whoever it was in the home, flicked the light switch back off as to give him a sign. I'm here. And the guy took off presumably 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 it was this danilo Calvacante um how dangerous is this guy right now are you surprised if that was him that he just kind of gave a uh, sign and took off
3: i gotta tell you he's uh very lucky and really smart for doing that not going downstairs and approaching like probably some of us idiots would do um uh, <clears throat> the guy's really dangerous i mean he's already killed his girlfriend we already know he's capable of killing uh and he's he's in the woods in a very rural area, hiding out like an animal. So he's he's survived I don't know what five six days already out there. Uh, this is just like Naked and Afraid, except it's uh, the, the stakes are a lot higher. You know he's gonna be going to each house seeing what he can steal. Um, this guy's got a real tough time ahead of him he's going to get caught it's just a matter of time They're,
0: you know the noose is going to get choked up so yeah and and lenny is it frustrating to you when people say you know how how have the marshals not caught this guy he's you know he's in a two mile radius or whatever What what's going on it's been seven days the comments like that irritate you after all these years or are you kind of immune to it
2: No, you get immune to things like that. I mean, one good thing about this guy, you know, I think human instincts have turned into animal instincts. I mean, desperate people do desperate things. You know, he's breaking into homes. Apparently now he has a backpack. I don't believe I did speak to some of the guys downrange on this case. And, I don't believe he has it. They don't believe that he has a device. He's not communicating. He's desperate. Um, you know, no provisions. It's 90 degrees. The bugs are biting. The terrain is uh, very tough there. The underbrush is very thick, they said. But they got the necessary resources uh, and assets on, on board. I mean, aviation support, bloodhounds are out there. They're flying drones. Uh, it is a matter of time, like Scott said. But, uh, but he, you know, it, no, it, things like that you can't let it frustrate you i mean it's a collective effort right now and again the us marshal service uh you know they're they're doing their thing and their resources fbi other agencies are involved obviously the state police um and it's going to be a matter of time five six days like this i mean somebody what is it, the three day thing three days water three weeks no food you know three hours and this, whatever uh you know give the devil his due he's five foot 120 pounds i mean he's hiding under a rock this kid um he's sleeping with one eye open and and again he's desperate so i uh, just i guess the bigger question is joel when that news starts tightening and that perimeter closes in, what's his mindset? You know, is it suicide by cop? As Scott said, he's got a provisional arrest warrant out of Brazil on another alleged homicide. Uh, killed his girlfriend because she was going to give him up on the on the Brazil murder. Uh, he's a dangerous guy. So the public needs to remain vigilant. Keep your lights on. Keep your dog outside. Uh, see something. Say something. Uh, certainly don't do anything because who knows what this guy's up to. But you don't need a hostage situation, a barricaded suspect, or anything like that. And hopefully, hopefully, this thing goes down without incident, and they put and, it to bed
0: sooner than later. Yeah, and and that's a great point. His mindset right now is very important. And I assume the less food, the less sleep he has, the more uh, irritable he's going to become. Uh, I know Lenny's not going to love this because uh, shuns the limelight here. But Michelle from South Africa, how did Lenny DePaul become such a badass? Lenny, you said it. You know, it takes years. How do you learn how to hunt fellow men? how do you learn, how do you learn that trade
2: i'm old school joe i sat in back feet in brooklyn new york and listened to some of the best in the business that were uh you know hitting the concrete jungle here in the big city but uh you know, it, it, it is, you can learn a lot at the academy. People can teach you how to shoot a gun and all that lovely stuff. But unless you're in the field, knocking on doors, q and people, old school stuff, the technology's there. That digital put, footprint is very important right now. You know, historically, what did he or she do prior to jumping or whatever? I don't want to bore you to death on the laundry list of things we do in the manhunting business. But uh, Alfredo, I think, can, can vouch for me. I mean, it's really, it's being on the job and the training. Every case is different. Uh, I've been in shootings. Uh, I, I've been, you know, in areas of of, uh, of craziness around this globe and and almost being ambushed in Costa Rica to, and again, I don't beat my own chest, but there, and we've all been, you know, knocking at, on doors at, oh, dark 30. But uh, um, you really, you, you learn a lot uh, as time goes on. Being, you know, trained, I was a huge proponent of training. You need to be tactically sound. You obviously need to know how to use uh, uh, every, every, Weapon you're carrying but uh you know q and a and people old fashioned police work knowing how to you know defuse the situation or de-escalation is a big word nowadays. Um, that's probably more important than, than pulling your weapon. Um, radio communications, looking for cover, you know, let's let's get the cavalry in there. Step back, he's not going anywhere, she's not gonna do anything. Um, you know, again, and, and it just it's just as you as time goes on and and, and you're out there every morning uh, knocking on doors, um, you know, you just kind of become you know, a well-rounded investigator. And in our agency, you have to be, because you can't wait for a SWAT team to show up. You have to be tactically sound. You got to know how to make entries, and and you're in unknown territory. You know, this person, this fugitive that just committed a triple homicide, he's home hiding somewhere. That's his backyard. We need to figure that out once we get in there, and you got to trust the men and women that you're with uh, that's making that entry. So you got to be that well-rounded investigator, and it comes with time.
0: Hey, Scott Duffy, how how dangerous is uh, what Lenny DePaul does in Alfredo compared to what you do? Not to minimize what you do, because what you do is really important. But these guys are literally uh, potentially walking into a line of fire sometimes, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the uh, and I would agree with Lenny's early statement about <clears throat> the U.S. Marshals being the premier man hunting. I mean, they are the absolute efficient uh, machine to get to 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 get their man, and and I don't think anybody would escape that, uh, stronghold. The, um, of course we'll always have the, uh, the typical rivalries, no different than a sports, uh, team and whatnot, but the, um, it, it takes first and foremost, the, um, uh, the desire to, to work together. And so in Wilmington, we were a small state and, and with a small state, you just had a few agents and marshals in each of, of the, um, the agency so we relied upon each other as opposed to a big city and uh, so there's there's no doubt that um, with regards to the fugitive work we we did the fugitive work early on as a as a task force before 2001 and then of course the um, uh, post 9-11 the uh, the marshals got exactly what they needed and it all comes down to funding and, and have put all those resources into every city and every state. And uh, so the, the FBI pretty much um, would, would research and search for their own people. And so we got out of typically the, the, the fugitive game. Um, and, and so with, the, with that, you have your, your investigations. And uh, once you have identified somebody and you, you got a warrant on somebody, you you were going with whoever was available to go at O-Dark Thirty, and and that often, especially in Wilmington, was uh, with our marshal partners and then our local task force partners. And uh, better be safe than, than sorry. And and we made sure that uh, when we hit a door, we hit it right. So it's uh, the marshals are jumping door to door, very fast pace. Many uh, fugitive investigations happening simultaneously. So it's. Uh, it it is a um, it is a craft, and and you have to hone in, as Lenny said, with that training. And uh, everybody goes home at the end of the day.
0: And glad to see uh, Lenny and Alfredo with us after decades of uh, service. Uh, Lenny might enjoy this comment. Uh, this is uh, Potvan, Potman, uh, cousin of Dennis Potvan from the uh, New York Islanders. Uh, saying hello to STS Nation from uh, Canada. She's a fan of uh, of the show. Love to have you. Um, Alfredo let's just say hypothetically this is going on in Houston and not uh in the Philadelphia suburbs uh your office gets the call you get the call uh there's a killer a murder, um pulled up in, in a in a rural area where do you start here how do you know where to start what do you begin with do you, are you looking at videotape he was spotted five times uh where do you even begin
3: well funny you say that because we just had one last year uh who do exactly that it was a uh, they were transferring him from one prison to the other and uh he happened to overtake the, the bus the prison bus just like in a movie uh and he had a plan we think he had a plan because he ended up getting killed uh we think he had a plan to steal the bus kick everybody off and then uh mm. meet somebody somewhere in the crossroads and but this is a rural area of, of houston and uh, a constable saw what was going on, chased them, gave chase, uh, disabled the bus. The guy gets out, starts shooting, and runs into the woods. His plan's ruined. Now he doesn't have any communication, like Lenny was saying. hes It was about this time, so he's hot. No water, except for uh, cattle tanks, livestock tanks out there. No food and uh, no shelter so his plan was ruined his original plan so now he has to to survive in the woods and uh i think it was like at, at right at a week and a half and uh he broke into uh somebody's hunting cabin ate holed up there for a couple of days uh, a family came in and tragically he uh he killed the the, the grandfather with his uh <clears throat> grandkids there um, and, uh, he left chasing suit. He gets killed. Um, that was, that was a, sh- I, I see this kind of going that way. We had a very good perimeter set up for a week. Um, the, the thing is, you know, like you were saying, people are saying, why haven't they caught him yet? And we were getting exactly exact, the same thing. Why haven't he, why hasn't he been caught? Why hasn't he been caught? Well, that's because it's very difficult to track in that those kind of conditions. And I, I heard that uh, on the news last night that the CBP was even up there. And uh, those guys have some of the best trackers in the world. You know, it's the Border Patrol guys. We've taken many Border Patrol uh, tracking classes. And uh, those guys are really, really good at reading sign and uh, tracking somebody in whatever terrain there is. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be dangerous, but uh, they got to do what they got to do. Hopefully, he doesn't find a house to barricade himself in because that, that could be a really, really disastrous situation for everybody involved.
0: And that story that Alfredo was talking about uh, made uh, major headlines, as he said, last year. That was scary. And the the grandfather, I I thought I remembered more people being killed. Maybe it was just the grandfather. Uh, But um, Lenny, uh, back to you. So um, they've kind of been tracking his his movements. They've caught him on these um, hiking cameras, trail cameras (coughs) five times. I read an interesting tweet that the and I know nothing about nothing, but these trail cameras apparently make a, uh, a clicking noise. So some people think that if he heard that sound, could have kind of faked out whoever it was and, and and did a 180 and went the other way. So while they may have be thinking he's heading south, let's say if he heard that clicking sound, he could have turned around and gone north. But this guy, Danilo Cal- uh, Cavacante, again, I believe he got out of prison with just his jumpsuit, but now he's got this backpack and a sweatshirt, this um, two-mile perimeter what does it tell you? Um, you guys have to read clues. What's it telling you? Um, wh- where is he getting this stuff? And there was a report that maybe uh, they caught someone else on camera trying to deliver something to him. Um, so you got to cover all bases, too, in, in case he's got, uh, you know, an accomplice. So but what what is all this that I just laid out about the backpack and the duffel bag and the sweatshirt? What does that tell you?
2: Well, great question. Let me go back with Alfredo's comment as well. I mean, yes, there's an intense manhunt going on right now, uh, but there's also a fugitive investigation going on behind the scenes. I mean, they're, you know, they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's. The U.S. Marshals and and the lead investigators, they're flipping his world upside down. I mean, again, we call it who's who in the zoo. They're looking at everything that's attached to this guy. Um, You know, that digital footprint's important. What happened prior to the escape? You know, you just mentioned it. What if somebody is helping them? Well, let's let's know that before we get into that conversation. So they, and I'm sure I'm, you know, speaking out loud here, but the investigator's probably got a pretty good idea of what went on in his world uh, prior to him scaling that wall and jumping over that fence. So, uh, and fast forward to these trail, these cameras and, and whatnot. Do they activate on motion? Yes, some of them do, some don't. I don't know what these did. However, I don't think he knew about it because he turned around a half hour later and came right back in the same direction. So, um, you know, I, you kind of don't want to give him too much credit, but uh, sometimes it's better its better to be lucky than good, Joel. You know what I'm saying? It's really it, right now he's be, he's being pretty lucky. Is he getting into places? He's desperate. Desperate people are going to do desperate things. And, you know, we always say in the marshal service you can run, but you can't hide. When you run, you only go to jail tired.
0: Mm-mm. Hey, uh, <laughs> that's a good saying, uh, Scott Duffy. So, um, they had to come to put this video back on, uh, here. This is the B roll. If you want to kind of tell people what we're looking at, if you even know Scott, but one of the things that is, uh, alarming to me as a father of three young kids, they actually are closing down some schools in this sort of affluent area. Um, I mean, That's obviously out of an abundance of caution, but, uh, you know, they've got to be stepping up security around those schools, right? Putting extra police there, law enforcement. Scott Duffy, if you had a kid, would you be sending them to school today?
1: no if the school was hoping, they they it being that close, they they wouldn't be going so it's uh
0: and by the way I mean, let me rephrase that i know you have kids i meant if they were of, of school age of that age
1: would you, know, be, you it, send them it would definitely uh they'd definitely be having a holiday but the schools doing the right thing the schools are closed you know fr- first and foremost they don't want to give access to this guy to to a building um because regardless of of how secure schools can be there's lots of uh Lots of openings and so forth. So there's no need to put and um, anybody in needless danger. And and there are events that are being closed. There are local businesses that uh, that are not having their workers report. So and ultimately, that's not just for the for their own safety, but also because, as you can see in this video, there are a lot of road closures so uh if anybody's in that area they're they're sitting in a, in a line of cars and and then there are checkpoints where officers are doing you know very methodical searches and that's very dangerous if if it, you know every officer has to take every car that they stop into account that it is possible that uh, Donello has made his way into a vehicle with or without their knowledge if somebody gets into a car and um and they've left it unlocked and now all of a sudden they're driving away it may be unknown to them that the, that this guy could be sitting in a trunk right every car just about has a trunk latch so and you can get out of a trunk uh, uh from a latch from within so it's it is pretty intense and 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 you can see from the terrain uh which makes it very diff- difficult for drones and and um and any type of uh, uh, aircraft to 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 be looking through this area, and the Longwood Gardens, which has those trail cameras, you know, they they put them on uh, um, a couple of years ago, and and so it's it's been pretty good to give give us an idea as the public that uh, he's there, and uh, he's he's kind of circling back, you know, in, cornered in, in that perimeter. But uh, no doubt, and kudos to, to the, uh, the leaders in, in that area that are taking those extra precautions, shutting down schools, and if need be, businesses. If, if not for, for the primary safety of everybody, definitely to, um, to, give tr- to lighten up traffic so uh, law enforcement can do what they need to do. Because they're, they're crossing roads, they're, they're, they're uh, uh, in, in people's yards, and they are doing a methodical search. Um, I I
0: paused it here on purpose because you can see how incredibly rural it is, and as Lenny pointed out, this guy is literally five feet tall and 120 pounds. He's a UFC flyweight; he barely makes a division. Um, they they fight at 125, so this guy is tiny and could be hiding uh, in in all, uh, you know, in these woods, um, completely, uh, you know, covered and uh, concealed. But Alfredo. Uh, to you, as we're watching this video, you see this massive police presence and Scott Duffy was talking about it. Um, and there are some police officers. Is the number of police officers and law enforcement that are on a scene like this? Um, are they there also for uh, kind of public perception and optics to show we are uh, keeping everyone safe? Or is this number of law enforcement um, necessary in terms of closing off a perimeter, et cetera, et cetera?
3: it's very necessary it's not it's not there for show uh you have i don't know let's say 200 law enforcement personnel there you know you have a perimeter set up you don't want to collapse it because that gets dangerous and you're you need you need a team that's going to respond to uh a 911 call hey i just saw something in the woods and it could be a scared uh resident that saw a deer or something you still have to go check it out and like uh Lane DePaul was saying, you got guys behind the scenes that are in some command center uh, flipping his world upside down, uh, you know, using that signal intelligence, you know, anything, uh, his past history, you know, how he came in the country, you know, who he who he hung out with, you know? Uh, and then the, the teams that you have there, you have them like a little, they're like little tiny QRFs, you know, quick reaction forces. Hey, I need five or six guys to go check out this address. I need five or six guys to go check out this. And then you have everyone that, that needs to contain that perimeter to not let them get out. So it, the police presence, 200, that's, uh, to me, it's not enough. You need more.
0: Guys, turn on Court TV today, Law and Crime, CNN, whatever channel. If you find a better panel than this, let me know. I'll get you your money back. Guarantee you that. Um, Lenny DePaul, you said something interesting. Old school. You studied, uh, learned from guys in Brooklyn, a New Yorker. I'm a Jersey guy through and through. Uh, and uh, I found this fascinating. So on Monday night, they started blaring uh, speakers into the woods uh, with audio of Danilo Cavalcante's mother speaking in Portuguese. And uh, there's a quote here from Robert Clark. He's a supervisory deputy U.S. Marshal uh, for the Eastern District of PA. He says, as desperate as he is, maybe he has a change of thought and hears his mother telling him to surrender and his family cares about him. Perhaps this is what puts him over the edge where we can get a peaceful surrender. I called my mother last night. I said... I'll give you three guesses as to how they're trying to get this guy out of the woods. She said dogs, you know, shooting at him, whatever she said. I said, no, they're trying to get mommy to talk to him. Uh, Lenny, is this a uh, frequently used tactic? You surprised to see this and uh, you think it could work?
2: Hey, TTPs, right? Tactics, techniques, and procedures. I've seen it in the past, and I've seen it work. Um, not sure in this case, but uh, just to go back a little bit, too, with respect to this guy, I mean, they're their putting this puzzle together and connecting the dots, law enforcement, right? So, you know, put this into perspective. This guy goes in the wind, he doesn't have a plan. He's two miles from the jail. What does that tell you? I mean, that speaks volumes in itself. He, you know, he don't have a clue uh, what to do once he once he figured out how to get out of there. So, you know he's lost. He's sleeping with one eye open, no doubt. Um, if mom, you know, has any influence or can, you know, walk the walk and talk to talk and get him, to, get him to throw his hands up and and, and uh, surrender. Well, you know, God bless her. I mean, I think uh, uh, I think it's important. I mean, even that she was willing to do this. Who knows what kind of conversations she's had prior uh, to him jumping, prior to that verdict coming down, saying you're going to prison for the rest of your life. Um, you know, maybe he will. You know, again, he's out there a little delirious right now. He's lack of water. He's got a bunch of mosquitoes biting him. It's ninety five. He's in the woods. Um, you know, maybe Mama, Mama will uh, will convince him. Uh, you know, like I said, to throw his hands up and turn himself in. But uh, um, hey, I, I would only hope it would go down that easy.
0: Yeah, let's all hope so. Abby Taha, uh, he's a wild. Uh, He's a wild cage animal now. He's got to be extremely dangerous. His back is against the wall and he will lash out. Uh, that's Abby. Uh, she must be training with Lenny and Alfredo. Uh, Scott Duffy to you. Um, the Pennsylvania state police, is, uh, they've now taken over the investigation. Why is that?
1: Yeah. So the cops in uh Pennsylvania, which is the jurisdiction that actually houses the, uh, the county prison, they don't have their own police department. So they're, they're managed. Uh, they're they're, um, policed by the state police, and and that's pretty common in these rural areas. So um, it's state police jurisdiction, and thereby state police is running running the show. It's pretty much in any state you're going to go to, the state police having plenty of resources to uh, uh, to to uh, to investigate. So the uh, the state police is the lead in that, and. And, um, you know, it, he was in the county prison just waiting for transport to a state prison, which, of course, maximum security. So that, that's why the state police is is the lead on this.
0: And, and we're going to get to Rachel Morn in a few minutes. These guys, I got to be honest, they make me a little nervous, alpha male. So I'm not going to go too long today. And we're going to get to Rachel Morn, and then let Lenny and Alfredo get back to retirement. Um I'm feeling that Lenny's not golfing. I bet you he's like uh, either at a, a firing range doing something, maybe calisthenics. Who knows? Um, Kelby says uh, Alfredo here surprised they haven't used bloodhounds. Um, that was my first thought. I said, "Well, why don't we just let you know twenty dogs out into the woods?" But I guess it's not that easy. But wh- what's the deal with the dogs here? Alfredo? No, it's
3: not, and, it, and it's kind of funny. So uh, when I was in the Na- I was in the Navy for uh, nine years. In five of those years I was a dog handler. And the main thing they don't use them is because the initial response that you have to that escape, that whole perimeter has been contaminated. So these dogs are gonna go off of tracks. You you have tracking dogs, scout dogs, you know, patrol dogs, even specific scent dogs. Um, the specific scent dogs are a little bit better because you can Try and find where he went into the woods at, or from the wall, or from the time that you've known we seen him, and uh, give him the scent of the the person, and then he'll follow that scent. But they didn't have that probably. So basically, the the, the whole perimeter, everything's been contaminated. Those dogs are going to be just going tra- tracking other people, you know, instead of the bad guy.
0: And I'll but, rain-
3: but, but a patrol dog will be used uh to capture him I, I can i can pretty much guess that's what's going to happen
0: and, and how long do you think this could get off if you had to guess and use your crystal ball i mean how long before they flush this guy out
3: it's just a matter of days uh it sounds like he's in a in a, a park so he's probably got access to clean water if he didn't have access to clean water it would be 5 6 days cuz he's going to get thirsty after Lenny was saying after three days, three days, you have to have water. He's going to get desperate, drink some dirty water, get sick, get dysentery, get dehydrated, maybe last for another two or three more days. And then and he's out. He's got to find something, but he's probably got access to clean water. So let's hope he doesn't. Mm.
0: Uh, shout out to Papa Bear. She watches us from Moscow, Idaho, which is uh, the now infamous home to the quadruple murders at the University of Idaho uh a place near and dear to our heart we were thinking of papa bear Jay thomas reset always has crazy ideas friend of the show send in the army rangers they'll come out with this guy presto no joke Is nobody thinking believe me when i say they would love to go get him uh, when you have alfredo and lenny de you don't need necessarily the uh the rangers to go in i'm sure they're going to get this guy uh, it is just a matter of time lenny is there any chance this guy escapes the perimeter
2: there's always a chance of that. And apparently, he he got out of the perimeter. He probably didn't even know about it um, the other night when he snuck uh, when he got went south a little bit. But and then he went right back in. So I don't think he even knows where he's at. Um, you know, he's running around in circles. And I think Alfredo said it best. I mean, he's getting a little. Uh, you know, he's getting a little dizzy at this point. I mean, he's he's desperate. He's hungry. Um, you know, he, he is certainly sleeping with one eye open. He doesn't know when when they're going to zero in on on him. Um, so he's getting desperate, uh, you know, could he slip out? Mm, I don't see it happening considering what I've been hearing and, and, and listening to and whatnot. So, uh, you know, good luck with that, but he's, he, uh, you know, the public has to really remain vigilant. They have to, you know, they're sleeping with one eye open too, I'm sure in that area. Um, so, you know, who knows he gets his hand on a weapon, uh, you know, that's an issue. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think he gets out, but, uh. You never know.
0: And Lenny, what's it like for you now that you're retired? You're running this huge agency, 300 something people under your watch. Uh, when there is a high-profile case like this, do you say, "Man, maybe I shouldn't have retired that early"? <laughs> is it still in your blood, or you miss it?
2: Yeah. No, you do. You definitely Alfredo's laughing. I mean, of course you miss it. I mean, it, you know, you hit the ground running. Uh, you know, Scott said it earlier. May of '02, we were stood up by Congress to establish these permanent. Fugitive task forces around the country. We were the the model, if you will, the flagship in New York, Um, and I I don't remember, you know, what happened until I retired. I mean, we just hit the ground running. Uh, We were averaging, like you said, 100 to 110 arrests a week just in my region alone, New York and New Jersey. So, uh, you can imagine now we got eight regional fugitive task forces around the country, and we're, we're of course, global. Uh, So, yeah, it gets in your blood. I mean, it's you know, I turn on the news and, and. cases like this. I'm like, geez, you know, you go from hundred miles an hour and, and, and you retire. And it's like, you look at your phone, hoping it rings at three in the morning, you know, <laughs> so you can jump run out the front door and see you in a couple of days. So.
0: I, in no way am I comparing myself, but uh, it's somewhat similar in news because there's an adrenaline rush. Anytime there's a right. big story. And when I left the business, um, as an official correspondent, then that two weeks later was that shooting in Las Vegas. And I was like, man, um, you know, you want to be at the big stories, but, uh, you know, there's a time you got to bow out. Um, I love this one, Scott Duffy. Your wife's not going to love this. Uh, Scott is a real class act. This is a super sticker, by the way, Scott. His wife is very lucky. But if that changes, just saying. So uh, got a little bit. we got a little bit here for you, Scott Duffy. Um, so let's switch gears here uh, to Rachel Morin. She is the 37-year-old mother of five. Uh, She was murdered after going on a uh, walk along the Ma and Pa Heritage Trail uh, in Bel Air, Maryland in August, not too far from where all this is going on. And it's been a month um, since she uh, was murdered, tragically, in a horrific way. And the only thing that, you know, publicly we really know of is this, uh, some video of this guy, Alfredo. Um, Now, what they were able to figure out through a, a, uh they got some dna off this guy this is actually video from los angeles that this person is connected to a home invasion case in los angeles where this video is from uh they got a codis hit like i said but there's no identification no no name uh no known address nothing along those lines so uh alfredo i assume this is much more difficult um to pursue where do you start on a case like Rachel Moore and the family obviously wants answers. They want justice. They want uh, her killer captured. Where do you begin?
3: Well, I, I was looking at all the links, uh, haven't been really following it, but <clears throat> I saw that some bounty hunter was saying that this guy might have a military haircut, you know, I mean, that's where you start. Obviously it's not a military haircut. You can ask Lenny, that was a barracks cut where you put your cover on and you hope, your chief doesn't yell at you. Um, that's, that's not a military, uh, it has got no, nothing to do with military standards. That haircut's a total hatch job. So, uh, but other than that, yeah, that's where you start. You, you look at his tattoos, manner, as far as identifying him, how he walks, uh, releasing that video to the media is really, really, really important. Um, you know, what he's wearing, what kind of fashion the, the, each, each region has a, has a different fashion. You know, the the guys in Brooklyn are dressing different than the guys here in downtown Houston uh, or in LA, you know, Um, you just got to see everything, you know, his jewelry, uh, the way he walks, uh, the way he carries himself. So you got to identify the guy first and then, and then saturate that media market with this picture, hoping, Somebody's going
0: to be able to identify him. And uh, like I said, she was murdered back on August 5th. This is a direct quote from the Harford County Sheriff's Office. Uh, they say this case is far from cold. There are still leads being pursued and technical, technolo- technological evidence still being processed. Detectives are in regular conversations with the Moran family, providing updates as we can. Our community has been an amazing source of support. They've been vigilant and have provided more than 500 tips through our tip line. Scott Duffy, um, is it a guarantee that those 500 tips have all been followed through, that they are looking at those uh, tips closely and carefully? And uh, you've done this story with us. It doesn't feel like we're any closer uh, to finding this guy than we were four or five weeks ago.
1: Yeah, and, and those tips could be as as you know as simple simple as I think I've you know I know the guy, and so thereby here's a name, and so it requires investigative steps to okay come up with uh, with an ID, and then and then do some sort of background before before you even try to uh, approach or figure out from this guy. Um, so the the I would say the logical step here is, in and in, from what I gather, the department's already doing it, is a genealogical approach. And uh, so, you know, you have two great um, DNA indicators, one from L.A., one, of course, in Maryland. So and, and the two tie into each other. So now you have to put a name with the face and... Um, if another CODIS hit didn't come through, because like CODIS, it's not like automatic. The, the detective gets all these, these, uh, these positive hits. The the detective will get an in, uh, you know, typically an email contact from, from CODIS, from an analyst saying, "Hey, we have this, and uh, here's here's some contact information for the detective to do a follow up." And um, and so that you know, now you have that video being released because that's the only picture the um so with regards to the genealogy aspect he the the department's either or utilizing a couple of different you're either utilizing private agencies and getting the funding to get that started or using the fbi the fbi is you know pretty fresh into the genealogical approach um throughout the country but it is time consuming so it's not something that happens overnight definitely not within a couple of weeks it, it you know you got to come up with a couple of more DNA um hits of relatives and and then be able to to see who if any has put into this uh GEDmatch database right through all these different uh, uh family tree uh databases that exist out there is the guy uh local is he is he uh, an illegal immigrant who's recently come in and so has no law enforcement contacts anywhere else. Um, So all all these things come into play. And and this is why time is going by unless unless he's struck again and and law enforcement is fresh on that, that attack. That's this is going to be a little bit of of time to to come up with um, with a, uh, a, a good ID.
0: And uh, the family hired, I'm going to get into this in a minute, uh, a criminal profiler, a very well-known one, Pat Brown, who put together a profile, and they're, they're releasing it via flyers uh, in the neighborhood. But you can see here, STS Nation, uh, I always say best guess, better community. Julie Fitzgerald says his right ear is cauliflowered like a fighter, uh, followed by, yep, he's fit, ear cauliflowered from maybe fighting or boxing. Lou La, uh, La Morocco. Uh, Lenny, what steps are taken with the DNA on a national level? We were just talking about that. But uh, Lenny, my question to you, this call comes into your agency. um, You're really just working with this piece of video. Um, There's not much else, at least that the public knows. I'm sure you guys probably know more, but you're really working with this. Uh, Where do you start uh, on a case like this? Looking for a guy who's accused, these are serious crimes, of sexual assault on a young girl in L.A., and then basically bludgeoning to death a woman on a hiking trail.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're chasing a ghost right now, Joel. I mean, yeah, you're working with this video. I mean, that needs to get released. You get a bunch of eyes and ears out there. Hopefully uh, somebody recognizes this guy, uh, even though you don't see much of a frontal or or his face. Um, But there's a lot going on, like I say, behind the scenes. I mean, what he had to get into that house somehow. Where did he come from? Uh, are there other, you know, ring doorbells in the area or other CCTVs or vehicles pulling up? Uh, whoever, whoever's got this investigation, I'm sure they have answers to all these questions, but, you know, prior to, I mean, I get the match DNA. I understand this is LA. Uh, what did he know about the Maryland area? Is he familiar with the area? Uh, what puts him on this trail? Uh, has he been there before? You know, we could, what if this to death all day long? And again, I'm sure investigators are all over this, like a cheap suit, but you know, you have to, you really got to look into this case and look yeah, the video's great. It's a home run. Uh, the media is doing a great job. Social media is fired up. I mean, you know, that's beautiful. You got to do that stuff. Profiling. That's a whole other ball game. Yeah. It's important to kind of figure out what this guy might be made up, you know, what's his makeup uh, to look for different things. However, um, you know, again, he got into that house somehow. How did he get there? Uh, what do neighbors know? You know, say old fashioned police work hit the bricks, knocking on doors, Q&A and people. I'm hoping investigators have more answers than than, uh, you know, that we're aware of. But, uh, you know, I think it's been a month. Uh, that's a long time uh, not to identify somebody. Is he a serial uh, guy? Maybe. Who knows? And sadly, is he going to strike again? Another good possibility. Uh, so but get him identified. They're chasing a the ghost right now. And then it, then it's all over with the crime.
0: Yeah. Catalina says here, uh, is it true that the last known possible location was Chicago? There are reports that uh, they are now looking. Authorities are at Leeds in Chicago. But two weeks ago, Lenny, uh, the colonel at the uh, Hartford County Sheriff said, and I quote here, we don't have any clue where he could be. Uh, it's now two weeks later. Uh, the fact that there are reports that they're looking for him in Chicago, what would that tell you, if anything?
2: Well, a couple of things. He's probably keeping it close to the vest. I mean, he's not going to give up the candy store on where where a guy where this guy might be. I mean, that's that's obvious. Um, you know, again, I'm not part of this investigation. I don't think any of us know what's really happening downrange. But uh, you know, Chicago lead seemed pretty vile, you know seemed pretty good uh, for them to get there and, and to to at least exhaust that lead. Uh, any leads that are coming in, I'm sure they're. they're going 100 miles an hour on this stuff but uh you know they gotta they gotta look at everything um i'm hoping people you know look at this video again do they recognize anything from this haircut to the back of this guy the pants he's wearing his, his style how he walks uh you know you're looking at everything so uh hopefully they get him identified and and uh you know then you then you hit the ground running at that point joe
0: There is a picture of Rachel Moore mother of five, and uh, that is the uh, presumed suspect on the right. As Lenny pointed out, no real front shots of him just from the side uh, and the back. Um, Alfredo, to you, they interviewed. So she's got five children with three different men, and they interviewed uh, the father of the oldest child, a guy named Matthew McMahon. He says, I think everybody, myself included in the family, had hoped that somebody would be uh, apprehended by now. Uh, they went ahead, as I said, they hired a criminal profiler, uh, Pat Brown, who's well known, uh, to, and, and he said, so when they look at that profile, this is again from the uh, the father, they can start identifying it with that person that much more. And Pat Brown, the profiler, says, I feel very strongly about this. A bullet point profile should go out to the public. I wish this would happen in every crime Alfredo, uh, the Marshals. Do you guys use profilers to kind of help pin uh, a profile down? Um, you guys seem a little more um, boots on the ground to me, uh, just old-fashioned, you know, police work. But what are your thoughts on profilers?
3: Yeah, we well, we don't have. I don't know, many I don't know. What we call them profilers, but we have a behavioral uh, unit that, that helps us um, with uh, sex offenders. So, but. And they're very very helpful for us um a profile profiler for something like this i would have no idea that's not something that we would do
2: yeah i mean we, uh, did, we did have dr mike burke that worked with with our sex offender branch and he he was pretty well versed on on identifying or at least giving us some sort of a pattern on why this person did what he did even in the, even in the manhunting world you know you got to You know, when you're hunting human beings, it's it's a whole different ballgame. You got to you got to get into their lives. You got to eat, sleep, and drink what they're doing. Uh, I get up three o'clock in the morning and say, Ah, now I figured out why he did. You know, so. But Mike Burke was great. He recently retired. There's others with the agency now, but uh, the FBI they're they're way ahead of the curve on this stuff. So, uh, you know, yeah, you got to stick with you know what, what what they're coming up with as well.
0: Uh, a little bit saying this is the best panel. Uh, we only bring you the best guess here, not just a tagline, a way of life here at SDS followed by how far is the closest airport to Bel Air, Maryland? Uh, Lenny, back to you. When you've got someone on the run like this, um, I assume one of the first things you do are notifying, you know, federal authorities at the borders and at the airports. How does that work um, internally? How do you flag everyone so they know, uh, let's say in the case of Danilo Calvacante, if somehow he slips away that he doesn't, you know, go across the border to to Mexico, let's say.
2: No, yeah, no. Those 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 notices are in place with somebody like him. This other case, sadly, there's there's no one identified, so it's tough to to uh, to put anything into any you know database and whatnot. But uh, yeah, the, the border lookouts and and uh, and whatnot. Hopefully, uh, you know, again, it's a supports border south and north of us uh, nowadays. But uh, you know, so, uh, sadly, and I'm sure Alfredo can confirm this better than I can. You slip through the cracks down there pretty easy. Um, I don't, you know, who knows I, this guy that's up in, in the Philadelphia, he's not, I don't think he's getting out of that perimeter. So, uh, hopefully that's a matter of time up there, but, uh, you know, and, and, and if they can get this other, this other, uh, suspect identified, um, you know, at that point, you gotta, you know, where is he? That's the million dollar question. Uh, you know, but getting him identified is important and hopefully that
0: happens. And Lenny, this is an interesting question. Does Mexico yeah. have a CODA system, and if so, have they run him, this guy in Maryland, through their system? Uh, what about international uh, database cross checks?
2: I'm going to punt Alfredo on that, but yeah, our, our international branch with U.S. Marshal Service, they're uh, they're very good at what they do. I mean, Interpol, the, direct, the director of Interpol, Mike Hughes, is a former U.S. Marshal. I worked with him in Brooklyn. You know, they got what 186 countries under them, so we work well. Um, with our, with our partners, uh, you know, in different countries and overseas and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I think Alfredo could probably touch a little bit about what Mexico is up to nowadays.
0: Sheila Woodbury, the super sticker, love Lenny's lingo. That's called Brooklynese. That's where my dad was born. Um, Alfredo, um, what about uh cross checking? let's, let's say this guy is a Mexican national, hypothetically, Rachel Warren, and don't come at me. You know, people think he might be not uh, undocumented. So, let's say he is from Mexico. Is there a way to cross-check uh, with a database like CODIS in Mexico? Uh, Alfredo. Uh,
3: well, they definitely use the fingerprint system. Uh, I don't know if they would if their DNA uh, uh, profiling is is as up to date as ours. They they do have one, you know. But um, I got to tell you. The interfacing between Mexico and and the United States has gotten much better over the past twenty years. I mean, if you run to Mexico now, you're going to stick out. Even if you you're uh, a Mexican, if you've been in America any length of time, you're going to change the way you speak, the way you dress. You try running down there, Some of them are going to. <clears throat> Somebody's gonna see you, and they're gonna call to get a reward because there's they they usually know there's a reward out reward out there. So, uh, um, not that this guy would go to Mexico, but if he did, he it would be a matter of time before someone uh, ratted on him. Hmm.
0: Uh, Scott Duffy, back to you. You raised an interesting point, and we're going to start to wrap up in a few minutes about the uh, investigative genetic genealogy. We had the godmother of that, Barbara Ray Venter, on our show a few times. She helped crack open uh, the Golden State Killer case. Um, the FBI has their own unit um, that works on this, so uh, it's, it is uh, the presumption is that the FBI's unit is working on that. But the issue is that the database is heavily skewed toward Caucasians and not. Uh, Latinos, um, th- I assume, Scott, that that complicates things. It's much less likely they say to get a hit with a uh, Hispanic or Latin American. Um, your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know the makeup with regards to who's putting who's, who's who's utilizing a service for you know trying to figure out your family tree, and that's ultimately where this database is generated from. So CODIS is obviously a law enforcement database, and anyone it, it, it does change a little bit as opposed to CODIS being primarily for convicted uh, uh, offenders, violent offenders, felon offenders, and and then and then there were some some other aspects. For example, in this you have two DNA from two violent. Uh, Incidents, and so they're able to be put into CODIS, and so CODIS is going to to uh, to analyze it and say, "Hey, we got a hit," but it's 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 still not providing an ID, and so that would tell me at this point that he has not been arrested and is not in the system, so it hasn't cross matched that. So then you go to genealogy, and it's it's as good as whoever puts into it. So the um, if you have one culture, one particular race versus another or who's it, it all comes down to people who provide their DNA in order to determine their makeup, their additional family that they didn't know about. And there are different consents that have gone on with regards to the legal system saying, hey, people can opt out of it. And so thereby that DNA cannot be used. So it's it's but it's a, still a very large database, and it's absolutely worth uh, uh, going down and see if it absolutely provides something. If it if it gives back anything um, with some positive indicators, that's enough for any investigator in that unit to be able to run it down and say, hey, um, you know, because you do have somewhat of a profile, a picture, even even though it's at the backside. And uh, so if you, you you have somebody out there, if they're seeing like, I think that looks like so-and-so Call on, call the uh, the number for Hartford Police Department, the Sheriff's Department, and just give up that information and let an investigator run it down, rule it in, rule it out.
0: And, Scott Duffy, you are being requested to answer this question by a little bit, to put you on the spot here. It looks like the door is shut hard and fast. Scott, what do you think? And uh, there's a video, Scott. We talked about this quite a bit, but um, – you know, that is people believe that is the uh, alleged victim, a young girl. Um, but the door and you see that little hand right there, there's a little arm that shuts the door. But, uh, Scott, have you had any more time to reflect on this and uh, your thoughts? If so, now we're going to wrap
1: it. Yeah, there's I mean, I don't know enough. And I don't know if it's been reported with regards to is this a juvenile female versus just a young young adult? Either way, I mean, if it was a if it was a juvenile, uh, even, and this is just a pure legal. Even if there was some sort of um, consent or whatnot, legally you can't give dissent right or, or consent. So thereby, it is a sexual assault as opposed to. Um, I know there were some indicators, hey, how did these people meet? Is this somebody that just walked off the street and conducted a home invasion and uh, is a complete stranger to the victim? Or is this somebody that duped his way in, whether through an internet app connection or whatever have you, uh, finds his way to, to an address and then does whatever he has to do in order to force his way into that door. And so, you have somebody that uh, uh, called law enforcement after that door was shut, and uh, and alleged a criminal assault, right, or a uh, sexual assault. So that starts an investigation, and they they obviously law enforcement obviously found it extremely credible that uh, with the the, uh, the location of DNA, that DNA was able to be um, put into CODIS, and they have very strict um, requirements and putting something in so th- there's a couple indicates it absolutely she's you know it seems like it's a a uh, a younger female's uh, arm and hand and that door is slammed because she you know she's a victim she wants this guy out she did whatever whatever happened behind closed doors she survived she she did what exactly what what she should do and that's get away from this individual, separate from this individual, and then and then get investigators. So there, there's more than what happened, you know, that's being told. And I'm sure for all good reasons, you know, it's being shared between the two departments right now and, uh, uh, you know, that providing additional leads that's not ready to go out to the public.
0: And we're looking at, at the flyer with that profile on there. Um it says that things like the suspect would not be accountable uh, at either work or home. Uh, it goes on with these little bullet points uh, talking about what kind of uh, character he is, what kind of person, um, etc. cetera. Uh, Alfredo, uh, Alfredo Perez, former U.S. Deputy Marshal out of Houston, uh, recently retired. Enjoy the retirement. Alfredo uh most of all, he is a friend of Phil Waters. Love having him. Hopefully, you'll come on as a best guest. One question that keeps coming up uh, in the chat is, how come there's no sketch? Why would they not uh, create some sort of sketch for this guy in the Rachel Morin case? And uh, your final thoughts today, Alfredo? Uh,
3: maybe they already have, and they're just not releasing it. I mean, who knows? I mean, there are some people that are out there that are talented enough to where they can you know, get a sketch of, of uh, just your side view and try to, you know, uh, they put it together, you know, just like a, somebody that's deceased, you know, and, and all you have is a skull, they can pretty much try and see what you look like. Uh, so I'm sure they do. Maybe they just haven't released it yet. You know, who, who knows what's happening behind the scenes because uh, you've got literally hundreds of, of law enforcement officers and intelligence that, that's that's working. And, uh, you just, w- the public just has to trust law enforcement that we got the best guys in the world working on it. So, hmm.
0: uh, Abby Taha, a friend of Phil's, a friend of mine, welcome uncle Fredo. I don't know if, uh, you guys are that close yet, but <clears throat> someone else suggesting, where did this comment go that we get him on with Phil waters and Scott Duffy. There we go right here. Hey, Mona, <clears throat> Friend of Phil should join the Friday fest and maybe we'll ask Lenny one week. We'll get the uh, four of them on there for the best investigators. Meg P says, have all these guys back, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I'm sitting here sweating. Usually we go longer. I don't want to keep Lenny during his retirement. So I'm rushing everyone through here and Alfredo. Uh, Agent Scott Duffy, you guys know him well. He's director of Wilmington University's Criminal Justice Institute. He's a retired supervisory FBI agent. He did it all. Gangs, uh, violent crime task force, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He was a, a Commonwealth of Pennsylvania police officer. Who knows if he was still a, a police officer, he might be working that uh, Danilo Calvacante case as we speak. Scott Duffy, do you still stand by your words? They're going to catch this guy Danilo. You think it's today, tomorrow? How soon?
1: I wouldn't put a day on it, but I, I will say they're definitely going to capture him. And um, it's it's a matter of time. I'm thinking it, it's, it's going to be what is today, Wednesday. It's uh, I, I wouldn't put my money on it, but I feel like they're they're closing in.
0: You, you, you just said you're not going to give days. us a day. You just said you're not going to give us a day and a time. Now you're counting the days. You said, well, yeah. I bet you they I bet you they catch this guy tonight. <laughs> you're having a 3 p.m. news conference. I say tonight. That's my call.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I know a few people out there, so I'm sure they would love to have him caught before dark. That's for sure.
0: What are they? You didn't even tell us that, Scott. What are they saying to you? They are they close to uh, lassoing this guy or what? They're
1: just tired. (laughs) It's it's a (laughs) tired tiring, uh, and it's very hot out there. And and of course you have the residents that are just between businesses and residents that are offering everything they can offer to the officers. As I remember, you know you have people offering you water, fruit. bathroom breaks, whatever have you, because they, they want that police presence in their yard. So it's uh,
0: hmm.
1: it will happen. He will definitely be caught.
0: Scott Tuffy, last question. You know, there was that story about uh, someone heard the neighbor heard something and started flicking the lights on and off. And whoever it was, presumably Calvacante flicked those lights off to let them know what would you have done in that situation scott duffy would you have walked down the, would you have said uh, honey let me take care of this would you have walked down those flight of stairs what would you have done
1: well i i would definitely have uh something with me that <laughs> um could take care of business but at the same time you know because we we've all done this i i i wouldn't like anybody else i i wouldn't be um, I wouldn't go down there without something that I knew can take care of business, but at the same time, law enforcement would have been uh, on on the way. So he would, um, you know, no, nobody should ever, ever try to do anything if, if going to uh, uh, come across him again in that situation. But uh, don't, don't, don't be, don't be some, don't be a hero and try to go down there and see what's happening. Presume the worst call. 911, get help there. And then, of course, if if you have to uh, take care of business with what you may have in the house, then so be it.
0: There you go. Uh, By the way, no knock warrant. Great name for this episode. Scott Duffy Fox. Scott Duffy's blown up into a big uh, celebrity. He's about to challenge Lenny DePaul. I was looking for the other comment here. There we go. I love how uh Scott Duffy speaks. There you go. E and Duffy, by the way. I'm a stickler for spelling. Uh if you heard of the shows Hunting, Hitler, and uh Hunted and Manhunters Fugitive Task Force. I watched every episode of that show way before I knew who Lenny DePaul was. And uh that's what made me realize I gotta get him on the show for this. It's an amazing show. Wish they would uh produce more episodes. Uh, for those who don't know, Lenny DePaul was head of the largest fugitive tracking force in the world, spent over three decades pursuing the most violent criminals. <clears throat> As my voice goes, he was chief inspector and commander of the U.S. Marshall Fugitive Task Force. He oversaw 380 full-time investigators from over 90 federal, state, and local agencies. And I saw someone in the chat say, wait, there are two people on the loose in America? Well, Lenny DePaul, they used to catch 100 fugitives uh, per week, per week, 100 fugitives. Lenny, how many fugitives are on the run in the United States at any given time? Is there even a number on that? Well, I can give you a number.
2: How many were caught with the U.S. Marshal Service? They average about 80,000 a year. Uh, violent felony fugitives all averaging four to six prior arrests. These are bad people. Uh, so the numbers are staggering. And, and our specific mandate from Congress, the language set to target the most dangerous, violent felony fugitives across the globe. Terrorists, murderers, drug runners, gun runners, uh, you know, arsonists, uh, sex offenders, the worst of the worst. So some pretty bad people out there. But uh, I know you quoted Ernest Hemingway at the start of this thing, though. I'd like to quote uh, George Orwell that that hung in my office. It says people sleep peaceably at, at night in their beds because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. Well, these are the men and women that are downrange doing God's work every day. So I I salute our law enforcement folks every day, Joe.
0: And I uh, can't thank these guys enough for their service. Uh, These guys are American heroes. They served in the military and then they served uh, their country. We thank them very much. Lenny, I got to ask you, because you brought it up at the beginning and you might you can feel free to tell me to buzz off. You said you were uh, almost ambushed in Costa Rica. What's that story real quick?
2: 40 Thieves was a case here in New York. There was one guy, he was the paramilitary, trained these guys how to, how to rob post offices and banks. Uh, they grabbed him. He got in a shootout in Costa Rica. He killed a police officer. Uh, we were heading over there on an extradition. Thank God we had country clearance going into that country. Um, he faked an asthma attack at the airport. There, the judge herself was there. Uh, she told us you got to take him to the hospital. He ha- he's having he has an asthma attack. And we said, no, we're not going to the hospital. <laughs> so we, we we get him on the aircraft. He, he refused to get on board. We picked him up. His head was hitting every step going on to the aircraft. Uh, long story short, we got back to the States. We have found out that the route to the airport was was all his buddies were there ready to ambush us. Uh, you know, they they wanted him back. So pretty corrupt over there at that, at that point. Uh, so we kind of like, you know, We made it. And uh, it was a tough one. But, yeah, it was a tough group. The 40 Thieves. Great case. You can look it up. It's it's on the Internet somewhere.
0: Well, now that I have you uh, on on air and on the record, both Alfredo and Lenny uh, Scott has done this. We do a show, a series here called Surviving My Biggest Case. We do a recorded. It's almost like a coffee shop interview about your biggest case. Lenny, will you come back? And Alfredo, will you come back and do that for us?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Alfredo will agree. I think they're all our biggest case. we got a lot of biggest, big cases out there.
0: So uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Love to hundred percent. These guys are heroes. Thank you so much panel. Thank you. SGS nation. We're back tomorrow, by the way, two shows tomorrow. I'm killing myself this week tomorrow. We're doing Alec Murdoch. Is there going to be a retrial at 1230 and then 7 PM Eastern time. We had Carrie Ross and the daughter of the BTK serial killer last week and um, She's on the road helping investigators, but the legend, Dr. Ann Burgess from the FBI Behavioral uh, Analysis Unit, uh, she's going to be back tomorrow with Cheryl Mac McCollum and Dr. Joni Johnson to talk BTK. And then Friday, Great Scott to True Crime Phil with Scott Duffy and Phil Waters, a friend of Alfredo's. Until then, love you, America. Love you, Houston. Love you, Pennsylvania, Philly, Delaware, and New York.